Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. And on this episode, you'll be listening to Allison, who is living abroad in Japan. Now, Allison discusses what it's like to navigate motherhood while abroad and some thoughts and concerns she had about that as she raises her daughter. What she learned about her first experience living abroad in Japan. She actually lived abroad there once before. This is her second time. She also talks about the lifestyle that she has with her husband, who is a professional basketball player. And they've lived abroad in multiple countries for the season, and then they go back home to Atlanta. And she discusses what that is like. And finally, she talks about the dynamics of being one of the few black expats living in Japan and what that's like. Hope you enjoy. This is Eleven Color. Abroad. All right, Allison, welcome to In Living Color Abroad. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks so much for having me. No, thank you for taking the time. And please, our listeners, what time it is over there and what day it is in Japan? <laughs> it is Wednesday, April the. 7th, I believe. I'm, I'm one of those people who You're... never knows what day it is exactly. But <laughs> and it's about um, about 8.05 a.m. over here in Japan. Right. And it is Tuesday, April 6th, 5.05 p.m. here. So this is the, the thing about this podcast and talking to people all over the world is that you got to find the time that works. And it's a tricky part. But we made it happen. So I'm glad you took the time, Allison. So please yes, yes. tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. So, um, as you said, my name is Allison, and I currently live in Nishinomiya, Japan, which is a suburb um, outside of Osaka. We are here um, because my husband plays professional basketball overseas, so we've actually been all over the world. He's played in Italy, here in Japan, um, France, Israel, you know, kind of, you name it, we've been there almost in terms of countries and continents, and when we're not over here in Japan, we live in the Atlanta area in Georgia. We're usually overseas for the basketball season, which is about August or September until May, and then we're back home for the summer. Got it, got it. So to, let's go. Let's go right to the beginning. So you know, you meet your your husband right before he was your husband, obviously. And at what point did you realize, okay, this is going to be a part of my lifestyle, this traveling abroad and living abroad, right, for a certain amount of time. Yeah, um, definitely not when we first met. We met in college, <laughs> <Okay>. so <laughs> we were we were eighteen, um, you know, in college at the University of Miami. Um, definitely did not necessarily think that we would be living abroad. And he actually played in the NBA for his first couple of years, and so even then, you know, it didn't occur to us that we would be living overseas. We definitely knew that we would be moving quite a lot, just because it kind of comes along with the territory. But um, it wasn't until after his second year that you know we got some opportunities overseas and realized, hey, you know, this is a really lucrative um, career over there as well. There's tons of opportunities and we could kind of travel and see the world. And so um, it was a little bit into our relationship when I realized that that would be a possibility. But initially, I was actually really excited about it just because um, 
I was really eager to travel and, you know, not that it's not a fun experience, but especially in the beginning, it kind of seemed like it would just be like an extended trip. Mm. As we know, living overseas is a little bit different than travel and it feels a little bit different once you get into it. But initially that's what it sounded like to me. (laughs) So I was really excited. Yeah, I could imagine, like, you know, you telling your family and friends, yeah, uh, just me and my boyfriend, you know, fiance, soon to be husband, <laughs> we're going to be living, you know, living abroad and going to different countries. Like, that sounds obviously like, most people call that a dream, right? And I'm sure exactly. for him, doing that right track and playing, you know, doing what he loves, which is playing basketball. By the way, what team did he play for? You say he played for the, in the NBA. What team did he play for? Yeah, he was on the Orlando Magic his um, rookie year. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And then he went abroad. So when he brought this to you, right? So he's like, all right, Allison, um, like you said, I had this lucrative opportunity. Let's do it. Were you hesitant at all or were you just like gun-ho about it? I was I was pretty pretty into it. We were we were about to get married. I mean, literally. So we got married on August thirtieth, and on September first, we left for Italy for his first season abroad. So when he told me about that that contract, we were literally you know about to get married. I'm about to be your wife, and I was like, oh wow, like think I'm thinking of it as an extended honeymoon. You know, like <laughs> we're going to Italy right after our, our wedding, and you know we'll be there for for the basketball season and then we'll be back home and it sounded really really exciting to me initially so i was i was i was ready to go awesome and then you 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 have a daughter correct yeah, so that's, you know, that kind of changed things. We just had our daughter. She's almost two. So okay. for the first, I don't know, how, however many years, it was kind of just the two of us. And how many years was that? Yeah, so how many years before you had you had a daughter that you guys were, like, Let's abroad? See. We went we went overseas in 2014, and she was born in 2019. So I guess, you know, the first five years or so, um, it's kind of just, just us two. So describe those five years, right? Where you said it's just you, you know, your relationship and you guys are, you know, like you said, between going abroad and being based in Atlanta. How would you sum up those five years? It was definitely a wild ride, a lot of fun. What I will start out by saying is that, like I kind of alluded to, I was a little bit naive in my um, expectation. And very quickly after getting to Italy that first year, I would realize, okay, this is not vacation. Um, <laughs> I'm not going home in a week. You know, I, I have to learn how to, to live here and build a life here and do, you know, your regular day-to-day things here. And right. so, you know, um, very quickly I did get hit with a little bit of kind of like shock, like within two weeks of being there um, that first year where I was like, okay, like, wow, this is my life. Like, you know, it's not right. like when you're staying at a hotel and you have a concierge and you have room service. Like, I was like, I have to, I have to do things. You gotta get groceries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, navigating the the language barrier the first time it was a little bit challenging. Now, after I kind of started to figure some of that stuff out, um, for those you know five years that we were kid free, we really took advantage of the fact that we were living in another country. Um, we had friends and family visiting. I mean, every season we had probably three to five groups of people come out to visit us. And so, you know, we were showing people around. Of course, he would have games and practice, but whenever he got time off, we were traveling. So, you know, that first year, um, he was based right outside of Milan in um, Cantu, Italy. And, you know, we went to Lake Como. We went to Switzerland. We went to Rome. We went to Venice. We made sure Mm -hmm. that we each year really – really explored the 
area we were in and really explored the country we were in and the time you know that we had to do so and you know the the thing that I will say that I that I do love about our life is just when we start to get homesick every year it's time to go home (laughs) so (laughs) that is one thing that maybe makes us different from other people who live overseas full-time is that we do have that kind of three months off every year to, to go home to get a taste of home to get a little break from the the overseas lifestyle so you know around this time every year um I get a little bit homesick but it's like okay you know we'll be headed home in a month so it's like you can you can kind of wait until then you know right I'm so glad you brought that up because that and that's another reason I wanted to speak to you right because your lifestyle is a little bit different than like let's say my lifestyle right being an expat like I can't go home for three months right I go home for maybe a week (laughs) and then I gotta you know do whatever I gotta do it two weeks so it's it's crazy how like you said while you're getting homesick you can go home and you can have like that reset right and then kind of refresh, you know, get that, you know, back to your roots, so to speak. And then, all right, let's do it again, right? Like, ah, now it's out of home. Let's go back. <laughs> so it's kind of exactly. interesting how you have that balance. Uh, and again, that everyone is able to have that balance while living abroad and going back and forth like that. So did you have a, were you, did you have a job back in Atlanta? What were you doing before you moved? So before we moved, I was actually um, getting my master's degree. I have a master's in marriage and family therapy. Mm. And I was forward thinking enough to do an online program. So that first um, <laughs> year or two that we were overseas, I was able to just continue my, my program online pretty much normally. It wasn't until, let's see, three seasons later, I did have to spend an extended period away from my husband because I had to do an internship. And that had to be based in the U.S. for the, um, for the particular degree. And so I had to stay home, um, for about, let's see, he was gone for nine months. I was only overseas, I think that season for two or three months. Um, I had to stay home and complete my internship hours, um, just so that I could, you know, complete that degree. Right, right. All right. So where were you based before you did move, you guys moved to Japan? Before we moved to Japan, we were based in Atlanta. Atlanta is, has been our home base you know this whole time we're actually both from Atlanta so Mm -hmm. even though we met you know in Miami went to college in Miami we're both from Atlanta and we own a home in Atlanta so when I say that we go home in the off season we go home home (laughs) (laughs) gotcha gotcha that makes sense all right and then so when he gets the news of Japan right now you've lived abroad you said in Israel and Italy and other places around the world what were your first thoughts um you know every every country has been such a different experience and and so unique but we've been really lucky that we've always been kind of close to a major city which has been really fun just to get to get to explore like I said when we were in Italy we were close to Milan so we got to do all of the shopping probably too much shopping and then (laughs) in Israel we were right outside of Tel Aviv so you know on off days it was going to the beach and eating you know delicious seafood and things like that and then we've actually been in Japan twice our first time we were about 30 minutes outside of Tokyo Mm. which of course was was amazing and then this time we're about 20 minutes outside of Osaka so we're getting to see a, a different area of Japan which has been really, really fun, a little different. Like I said, now we do have a, a toddler that we're toting around with us, but <laughs> it's been it's been really fun. Um, we've just always been lucky that we've been in you know locations, and not to say that there's any location that's not worth exploring, because even if you are in a, a smaller city, there there's something to see, you know, around mm-hmm. you. There's there's something out there worth seeing. But we've been kind of near, I guess, you know, your major metropolitan 
areas for the most part. So that's been um, been really fun. But I mean, in terms of first impressions, I guess it kind of has differed each year. You know, like mm. I remember when we first got to Israel, I was like in love with the fact that like everyone there speaks English. Like it was <laughs> very easy <laughs> just to to kind of. Um, to kind of like feel at home because I mean there's not really that culture shock that you might experience in other countries when we first got to Italy I, I ate myself into a coma almost with prosciutto <laughs> and mozzarella and and pizza and things like that and then you know here in Japan it just how I, I think my first impression was like people here are extremely helpful and extremely um polite and you know, in some other countries, you you are met with not hostility, but just in some other countries, um, I, I felt like because you know, I don't speak the native language, people kind of get not upset, but they don't try to, right. to really help or try to speak English to you. They're just kind of like, well, you're here and you don't speak the language. So good luck. <laughs> here in Japan, it's not like that at all. And I mean, they're apologizing to me because I don't know Japanese. I'm like, well, that's not your, your right, fault. Right, right. But, you know, they're very, very helpful as a culture. And it's been a great experience here as well. Got it. And so you, another interesting part of you is mentioned that you were there twice already. So what did you take yeah. from that first time being in Tokyo to now this second, before you went to that second move near Osaka? What did you say, oh, now I know this about Japan? What are those things that you already had kind of in your toolkit before you moved that second time? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been really helpful having been here before. Like I said, the first time we were here, um, we did not have a child. But I do think being here before made it easier to be brave enough to then come over here with my daughter because I did feel somewhat familiar with, you know, the food, you know, the things that I like, the things that I don't like. Um, here, public transportation is really, really huge. And it's what um, most people rely on. You, you ride your bike and you take the, the train system here to get around. And I kind of had an idea how to do that versus last time I had no idea how to take the train because we do not take public transportation in Atlanta no, ever. You do so. not. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know I knew how to do that and um, I don't know very very much Japanese at all but I did know already how to say hello thank you excuse me <laughs> you know <laughs> just kind of your survivor uh, very Japanese. basic Japanese <laughs> yeah Got you, got you. So, I mean, that's that's kind of wild that you were there once, right, before you had a daughter. And now this is a completely different, obviously, time in your life. Now now you're a mom. So what were some, besides just the fact that you're a mom, right? Like, oh, I'm going to be a mom, right? And, you know, we're going to be parents. What was that other added layer that I'm not only going to be a mom, but I'm going to be a mom abroad? What were some concerns or thoughts going through your mind as far as thinking about that? Yeah, there, I mean, there were a ton, tons and tons of things. Um, you know, when when she was a baby, her, her the, after she was born, we went to Italy again initially. Um, you guys love Italy. Season, so, <laughs> right. Um, we went back to Italy that season. And, you know, I was kind of concerned about just like a language barrier, being able to navigate you know, doctor's appointments and things for her in her first year of life. And even like, you know, like finding like baby food for her when it was time for her mm. to start baby food. Of course, I knew they had it. It was just a matter <laughs> of, of me being able to, to, you know, figure out what exactly it was with the language mm -hmm. and using Google Translate. And, you know, am I going to know what I'm giving her and, and, and things like that. And then coming over here to Japan um, was even more, I think, uh, 
nerve-wracking at first just because, like I said, we do get around here a little bit differently than we have in other countries and than we do at home. You know, we don't have a car here in Japan. And so it's not it's, it's not necessarily like I can just, you know, put her in her car seat and we go. You know, we're right. always putting on your helmet, loading you onto the back of the bike. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing her or, you know, having to figure out a stroller for her once we get to where we're going. So I think um, this year in Japan, the main kind of thing that made me a little bit nervous was like transportation and how we we're going to get around. And then also with her, the age that she is now, she is almost two. Um, she's a little, well, not a little, a lot more social than she was like this time last year. Mm. So trying to find um, activities and like friends for her, of course, COVID has put kind of a, a damper on that. Right. You know, we thought that things would be a little bit better than they are right now. So we haven't been able to do a ton, but even trying to do that with the language area um, barrier COVID aside has been a little bit of a challenge. Um while I don't necessarily feel like people are racist here, I do think that there are a lot of children here who have not ever seen black people before mm-hmm. <laughs> or people of color before. Right. Um, and so, you know, th- their kind of interactions with my daughter can kind of be a little, little bit, um, a little bit, you know, strange sometimes. And, right. I, and I try not to to take it personally because, first of all, she doesn't she doesn't know or care. She's like I said, not even two yet, so mm-hmm. she's like whatever. And I know that they're not trying to be um, to be mean or malicious. They honestly just don't know, and they're right. you know somewhat in awe. So you know, just kind of dealing with that with a child is is a little bit a little bit different, I guess. Right, right, and it's I'm I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that perfect segue because. Obviously, speaking to other people that, that I know that are black or people of color that live in Asia, they mention this all the time about this. is not, mm-hmm. from, from their perspective and their opinion, it's not this idea of they're racist. It's more of they're just ignorant of, you yeah, know, because exactly. they're not exposed to people of color or black people like you mentioned. So take me through that, right? You said, mentioned, you know, the, the interactions that your daughter has with, with, you know, people that are there. Um, what, what were your concerns besides that, right? Of like, well, we're a black couple in a predominantly, you know, huge Asian population, Japanese population, what were some concerns just from your own thought, right? You know, in your experience, you lived experience in Atlanta, which is obviously a, a very diverse and black city, moving to a predominantly Japanese city in Osaka, where you are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot that comes along with it. I I always joke with my husband that when I go out, I feel like I'm representing every black woman <laughs> because I'm like I might be the only one that they ever see in person. Right, know? right, right. <laughs> Which is, is you know completely I know silly, but you know I do feel like I have to kind of represent myself a certain way. I'm like I, I want to make sure that they know you know certain things about us and 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 things like that. And I know. Um, when we first were coming out to Japan, people were saying like, oh, you know, people might bark at you. People might make monkey sounds at you. So we were a little bit um, concerned. This was years, a few years ago when we first came to Japan. And thank God we never had anything like that happen to us. We've never had any, um, any like deliberately like racist, right. you know act with us our thing is mostly people always comment on my husband's height you know more so than I could imagine he's race. a damn basketball player right <laughs> right and so we've never had anything but I did have a lot of um a lot of I guess nervousness about it people saying that that 
that type of thing might happen to us. I guess they had had experiences. Um, but also what I have to preface that by is that at home, um, people have a tendency to kind of group um, Asian cultures together. And I learned that very quickly when people were asking about like Chinese food. And I'm like, I'm in Japan. <laughs> like, these are two different, <laughs> different cultures, right, two different right, countries. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was something that I definitely, thought about and even now like when my husband does you know he on the basketball team there are other people of color so we we are around other um other there's one american player and one african player so we're around other black people and other english speakers just from his team you know daily but um even outside of that, like whenever we see like a black person, like we get so excited. Like we're like, oh my gosh, like hi. One of us, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so interesting you mentioned that because again, given your lifestyle, but also being like, you know, an expat of sorts, right? Because you guys are there for the season and move back. You always want to find people that are going through something similar to what you're going through. And it's difficult to obviously find that in the local population because they're not expats, right? So mm-hmm. right after jump is going to be things that, you know, you might not have in common. If, I mean, if, like you said, in your situation, language barrier like that obviously will be a huge deterrent to building, you know, social bonds, right, with people that it might be difficult for you guys to understand each other. So how have exactly. you how have you and your husband and, you know, you, you as a family, how have you guys tried? Because obviously you're going there, you know how long you're going to be there for, right? You're like, all right, we're going to be here X amount of time. What do you try to do to be like, let me get a feel for this place. Let me get acclimated. Let me feel like I'm a part of where I am, right? Versus how it's very easy to get just caught up in the, like you said, all right, my husband's coworkers, right? His teammates, you know, people, other expats that you might meet. How do you try to break out of that bubble if you try to at all? Yeah, um, I will say, I mean, we probably don't do it quite as much as we should. We are, you know, in a different type of setting where we were able just to ask questions of, you know, the team staff or even ask questions of other players that have been here longer than us that are able to kind of show us the ropes that way. Um, I also almost always look for like an expat group, like on Facebook, Mm. like there's one here in our area called Kansai Kids Network, which is like English English speaking um, kids and parents in this um, region of Japan. And so some of them are are Japanese, but, you know, have learned English and want their kids to practice English. And then some of them are from all over the world and just looking for other English speakers. I always join a community like that to try to get just kind of like tapped in with um, um, activities and recommendations and things like that. And then, I mean, outside of that, we kind of just hit the ground running and get out and, and explore. That is a good thing about being here with the bikes and the public transportation is we're able to just kind of like, okay, let's just, ha- let's just ride this way on our bikes today. You know, let's see, right, right. <laughs> let's see what, what's out here. Um, but I will say like, I mean, I don't necessarily have any like, you know, Japanese friends or you know locals that I've I've built relationships with all of the people that I've built relationships with over here are English speakers that have moved here or you know they're the spouses of my my husband's teammates and things like that right 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 and would you say there's like a pretty big group of you know people of color that are expats black and brown expats there in Japan 
In, in, in Japan, yeah, it's actually, it, there's actually more than you would think. What I, they are mostly in the Tokyo area, though, so okay. it's, it's way easier to find them there than in um, Osaka. There's like a, a really big military base kind of in mm. that region of Japan, so you get a lot of, of military families that are that are living there. Um, and, and in Japan, there are some. It's not like, you know, about maybe once a week we will see, you know, one or two people just kind of in passing so i mean it's mm. not it's not daily by any right, means right, but right. there are more than than you would think i think living over here and then basketball is bigger over here than than you would think and then you know every basketball team is gonna have you know three or four import players and most of those import players are going to be american and the majority of those american import players are going to be of color and so you know, we, we are able to kind of build relationships with even people on other teams as well, which is nice. Right. That's so interesting. And obviously, you, your husband being a professional basketball player, I just try to relate that to, like, my profession. I'm a teacher, right? And how, like, there's obviously jobs abroad for teachers and all over the world and how you can move to different places and meet other people that have, you know, traveled abroad or whatever the case. So it's interesting, the parallels there, or if you could find the niche, right, kind of the profession that allows you to travel in case your husband, right? His profession has allowed you guys to travel and live in this, these different locations around the world, which is obviously a wonderful thing. So it's kind of crazy how, you know, for those listening, if you're in a profession, you know, or find the profession, if you you know want to move abroad, do seek them because they're out there. And there's like, like Allison just mentioned, right? There's other people that look, that might look like you and I, they are out there. All right, let's transition a little bit to more about Japan specifically. So what is it about Japan that stands out in comparison to all the rest of places you lived in? It's so clean. Like, I'm still amazed by how clean of a country it is. I mean, you don't see trash or trash cans anywhere. And wow. then also, I, I've never felt safer than I feel um, here in Japan just as a woman, you know, being able to kind of... Um, walk around by myself and you know things like that I feel extremely extremely safe here and that's of course not always the case as we all know um, at home or in other countries so those have been probably the things that have um, have stood out for me people are always willing to help always willing to try to answer questions I mean I've had someone before I was lost on the train the last time we were in Japan and I had some and literally basically take me home because I asked them like, wow. oh, you know, I think I took the wrong, the wrong train line. Like, can you point me in the right direction? And like the person basically took me all the way to my station, which I, I mean, they didn't, it wasn't their station. It didn't seem so <laughs> it, it seemed like they were kind of going out of their way. I even um, <laughs> about, I guess a month or two ago, I lost my debit card um, here. I went back to the grocery store to shop, you know, thinking that my debit card is just gone, like whatever. And they actually like had it at the front desk for me and like returned it to me. And I'm like, you know, at home, I would have had all kinds of charges on my card. You know, crazy <laughs> stuff. But here, you know, there was there was nothing. They literally just had it in a Ziploc bag wow. at the front. And when, when I came in the store, of course, they know me because I'm one of, you know, three black women that live <laughs> in our, you know, area. They, they tracked me down right, and they right. had the hard for me. Wow, that's, uh, I mean, that's amazing, right? I mean, okay, so that's another question because, again, being, I think this happens to most expats, right? Especially if you come from the States, right? Uh, me being, from, we're both from big cities. I'm from New York. You're from Atlanta. How do you let go of kind of this big city United States kind of feel of like you always got to have your mean mug on, you can't trust nobody, 
because you don't know what people's intentions are. And then you go to a place like in your situation, Japan, where, you know, like you said, people are just very nice. And here in Costa Rica, I now say good morning to people. I smile at people way more often than I did in New York. <laughs> and I like how long has it taken you to kind of like let go of, of uh, maybe things you've, you know, had just through your own upbringing experiences now that you're in a place where that's not the norm? Yeah, I think, you know, the biggest thing I had to kind of let go of over here, like I said, was like, you know, that safety aspect, like, you know, the team would tell us like, oh, like, you guys can just leave your door unlocked. And we're like, no, no. We can't. <laughs> like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, that's not an option. You know, like, like things like that. Um, I guess I had to just kind of see it to believe it, though. You know, I, like once I got out there and experienced things and kind of, you know, did walk around at night by myself and did kind of, um, I won't go as far as to say leave my door unlocked, but you know, like kind of, um, have the experiences. That's what kind of helped me to let my guard down. It's not something that I think that, um, would have happened kind of organic or it did happen organically. It's not something that I think that you can, can force because I think it's just so ingrained in us to kind of always have a guard up and, mm always kind of make sure that you know we're doing what we need to do to 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 stay safe we don't we're not trusting of other people I think um all the time but I don't think it's something you can force for me it right. always just kind of happens organically by me kind of like trial and error like wow no one tried to rob me tonight I guess this is okay you know? <laughs> good <laughs> <Thank> day you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah it's just so wild like I'm trying to I'm trying to put myself in like your situation right of like obviously being you know, one of very few people of color there in Japan and like literally sticking out like a sore thumb versus in my situation here in Costa Rica, I'm Latino and everyone here is obviously Latino. So I'm like a one of millions, right? That they're like, oh, looking at me, you wouldn't know that I'm not from here. But when I speak, they know that I'm not. In your situation, by looking at you, they're obviously very aware that you're not from Japan, right? Yeah. So how often do you feel, like you said, you felt like you had to rep, you know, represent black women and black people all over the world in Japan. But do you feel like as like a pressure or now do you like you accept that kind of like, yeah, I get my situation. I understand what is what is about and like you're just OK with it. I, I don't I don't I don't think I'm OK with it. It's still I mean, every day people stare like mm. literally every day. And, okay. you know, I, I will say, I mean, you get I, I think I'm kind of used to it now where like I don't even see it all the time, but it, it is still it's not something that you ever just kind of accept, I think. I mean, mm. for me, it, it's still kind of like, oh, yeah, like people are staring at me. I know. But like. It doesn't feel like it still doesn't feel like great, I guess. <laughs> right, 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 right. That's that's so interesting because you just mentioned right how they're so nice, like they will literally help you, right, get home. Yeah. But that is accompanied by let me look at you a little longer than would any other person. Yeah, and like I said, it's not it's not like they're they're trying to be rude, and that's right. something that I I really had to. I had to learn. That's another thing. Like, you know, coming from the U.S., if someone stares at you, you're, like, going to get an attitude. Right, like, right, you right. Know. Of course. I really had to learn. Like, I mean, they a lot of times they're trying to figure out, if I'm not speaking, they're trying to figure out where I'm from or, like, what um, my, my origin is. They don't know if I'm African-American, if I'm African, or if I'm Caribbean. They don't know what I am mm, exactly. Mm. So they're kind of, like, looking at me and maybe examining my features, examining my hair, even just trying to get a grasp of, like, where is she from? And then, you right. know, when I speak, they're like, okay, you know, maybe she's American. And then, I I mean, I would imagine it's like, well, what is she doing here? Especially if I'm not with my husband, you know, it's just, right, right. you know, um, 
things like that. And so I, I really had to um, do, I guess, some like soul searching that like, you know, you can't necessarily assume that people are racist or people are rude. Some people in this setting, they just don't, they really just don't know. And they're, they're interested, you know, like they, they, they maybe want to know, but with the language barrier, they don't know how to ask and and things like that. You you mentioned something interesting there and and reminding me of some past conversations I have with people living in Asia. And we speak a lot about this, about in this podcast about American privilege, right? how we experience privilege abroad that we might not experience back home because of, you know, our race or ethnicity. So given the fact that when they hear you speak, they can kind of maybe assume, oh, she's American. Do you feel in your personal perspective and opinion that you're treated, quote unquote, better because they know you're a black person, but you're American? You get what I'm saying? Like that American privilege of like, oh, she's from this, you know, whatever, first class kind of nation. So it's okay. Do you you ever feel that kind of way? A hundred percent. In another country, I actually had a very, and I know we're talking about Japan, but I just have to mention this. I had a very, like, deliberate, I was in, um, when we were in Israel, I basically had, like, parked illegally for a quick second to run upstairs and grab something and came back down. And um, someone was basically, like, you know, yelling at me about parking. And when I spoke, he said, oh, my gosh, you're American. I'm sorry. I thought you were Ethiopian. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so it's like, wow. So if I was African, it would have been OK right. to to yell at me. But because I'm American, you know, it's not OK. And I, I, wow. I feel like that just kind of goes to show that American privilege that exists, um, you know, not only in, in Israel, but, you know, in other countries. I do mm-hmm. think that once people find out that we're American, they kind of... Um, you know, go about things a little differently or, you know, treat us a little differently. And then on top of that, you know, once people find out why we're here and my husband is a professional athlete, there's a whole nother level of privilege there as well. Right. That's, I mean, like you just, I'm sure that must be like a mind fuck, right? I mean, it's just, that's wild, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, that makes me extremely upset, obviously, because I'm like, you know, that's, that, that is blatantly racist. Yeah, because you you're still that, being that, racist. That, it's not like, oh, you're nice to me. No, no, you're still being racist because you thought this person was from Africa, right? Like Ethiopian. Exactly. So it doesn't make it okay. Like, oh, you're nice to me now because now you know America. No, that's so completely <laughs> fucked up. But all right, so now move, move, <laughs> moving on a little bit. So let's talk a little bit about, you You know, I see your Instagram page, amazing content, guys. Check her out. I'll put in the Thank show notes. You. Um, what you, you, you call yourself a mompreneur, Correct. Yes. Why that's that title? That's what I call myself now. That's kind of new, obviously, since becoming <laughs> a mom. Uh, so I actually have, um, I guess, now two um, small businesses. And the funny thing is that, so um, the first time when we were in Japan, I learned about the Japanese practice of kintsugi, which is actually um, like golden joinery, where if a ceramic breaks, they put it back together with, with like, gold glue and the whole premise is that it's like more beautiful because of what it went through and that experience really spoke to me the first time we were in Japan and then fast forward a couple of years I actually um had a brain tumor and underwent brain surgery in like 2018 thankful not thankfully but I was at home in the states when that happened um but that experience inspired me to start my candle company and I took that um Japanese practice that I had learned about and kind of married it with my um desire to start this aromatherapy company and my company Kintsugi Candle Co was born now at that time I didn't know we were going to be back in Japan for a second (laughs) time so as you 
can imagine I was really excited. Right. Like, wow, Destiny. You know, this culture spoke to me right. so much that I like, you know, started a company around it and now I get to go and explore it again. So yes, that's why I call myself a, a mompreneur. I'm a mom, um, a stay-at-home mom, a full-time mom, but I also have my my small business that I run kind of, it's a U.S.-based business, but I'm able to kind of run right. things from abroad. And then I also just wrote a children's book that is also based on the Japanese practice of kintsugi. So it was really cool to be able to kind of be here and be working on, on that, that project that is... Um, based kind of in Japanese culture a little bit. And so that's where the mompreneur comes from. I'm a mom first, but I have other things going on as well. <laughs> that's amazing, amazing stuff. I can't wait. That, the, the book has a come out yet. It's coming out, right? Yeah, the book um, is going to be available for pre-order at the end of April. So we're, on, we're only a few weeks away from the release. Awesome, awesome stuff. All right, last segment of the podcast, some lightning round questions. Let's see how you do, all right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Favorite phrase in Japanese? Um, which means excuse me. I just think it's like cute to say, like, <laughs> means like excuse me or sorry. <laughs> Very nice. Simase, simase, people, simase. All right. <laughs> Favorite Japanese dish? Sushi, hands down. I mean, I love sushi even at home, <laughs> um, but over here it, it's out of this world. Mm, okay. Sushi, simase, got it. Uh, Favorite place, like location in Japan, that's like, if you, someone comes to visit you, you take them there first. I would say Kyoto. Um, I just went for the first time last week, but it it's amazing. It um, it really feels kind of what like what you want or what you think that Japan's gonna feel like in terms of like the shrines and temples, and it's it's a really interesting place to see. Least favorite thing about Japan. Oh my gosh, I can't answer that one so quickly. Um, least favorite thing about Japan? For me, probably just because I'm homesick at this time, I would probably say like, just like the inability to find certain foods mm-hmm, <laughs> and things mm-hmm. that like I really want. Like yeah. over here, like it's, we don't eat pork and it's almost impossible to find like breakfast meat that's not bacon or, or pork sausage. Um, that's kind of a surface level, but as at this point in the season, I'm, I'm ready for, for a trip to Publix, like our local grocery <laughs> store in Atlanta. So. I know all about Publix. I got family in Atlanta too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now this is going to be long, long answer for me. <laughs> 60 seconds on the clock if you if someone if someone's listening to this right now and they're interested in japan why is japan an option to consider for maybe someone that might not want to go all the way right to asia mm-hmm. yeah um i i would say there's a lot of opportunity here from what i've gathered for um people of color and for English speakers, there's a lot of, um, of, of opportunity to kind of move over here and establish yourself in a career, whether it be as a teacher or, you know, in another field, there's definitely a lot of options. Um, I do have to go back to the safety because that is a huge one. If you're looking for a place where you can, you know, raise your kids where they can go outside without supervision. I mean, you see kids as little as like six or seven 
literally taking the public transportation by themselves. (laughs) What? And that is how safe, yeah, you see them with their school bags coming home from school on the train by themselves, like seven years old. That's That's like how safe it is. So if you're looking for somewhere like that where you can kind of like let your guard down and let your kids be kids and not have to worry about all the things we worried about, this is definitely a great um, place to do that. On top of that, people are good people you know and there's good people everywhere in the world but over here like I said they are always willing to help they're very polite and you know the language barrier is the main kind of I guess issue but outside of that like even if they don't understand what you're saying they're going to try their hardest and in other countries I do think that sometimes you know not being a, a, a native speaker uh, makes it very difficult and people kind of get irritated with you easily here it's not like that at all and people are always going to try to help you and try to explain things to you even with the language barrier awesome and final very short answer number one thing that you take with you that from both times living in japan that you've like learned about yourself um i what i've learned about myself is that especially in this season, like as a, as a mom being over here is that, you know, we, we, we can do a lot more than we think we can do as people. I mean, I remember when I first got over here, I was like, it's going to be impossible for me to go anywhere, like having my daughter and being on a bike. And, you know, we've, we, we do, we go and we do. And what I've learned about myself is kind of like where there's a will, there's a way, you know, mm-hmm. and if, if I want to get out and explore, like, you know, I, I I'm going to find a way. And this has really taught me that, um, I guess being a mom and a new mom doesn't necessarily have to change my lifestyle or or limit me and I would say that to other moms that are living abroad or or want to travel abroad don't think that you know just because you have children or a child that you have to be like limited in your experiences because you know you can you can pick them up and you can keep moving I hope you enjoyed that episode with Allison. I most definitely did. It was just really cool hearing her perspective on this life that was a little bit different, right, than the typical expat that moves abroad and stays somewhere for a year, two years, and then they go back home. They're based, like you said, right, basically in two locations, wherever her husband is playing basketball for their season, and then they go back home for about three months. So it's, like she said, it's a good balance that they have where they're able still to be home in the States for a significant amount of time where typically expats aren't able to go home, you know, unless they have a house, <laughs> you know, uh, one week, two weeks, you know, like I'm able to go back home, what, a week? Because, you know, I can't just stay in my parents' house the entire time. It's a lot. <laughs> it's not, you know, the biggest place in the world. So, yeah, so I could be home a week, two weeks, and then I come back to Costa Rica. So, um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. And also just Japan sounds amazing. Like, honestly, like I never thought about really going to Asia like that. I mean, I did have a job offer to work in Beijing and I considered it. But, you know, Japan sounds amazing. You know, big city, obviously, you think of Tokyo. She mentioned Kyoto, which sounds amazing. And Osaka and all those other places. So definitely a place on the bucket list, right? So like, I don't like, definitely a place on the bucket list to travel. But I don't like really being in planes for, you know, 24 hours, but <laughs> however long it takes to get to, you know, Asian, specifically Japan. But yeah, sounds really cool and definitely a place I like to go. But yeah, I'm glad she took out the time. And, um, and I'm glad she mentioned that aspect about the mom, right? Just because you're a mom doesn't mean you can't do things all of a sudden, right? It's just a different 
aspect of her life now that she incorporates into her into what she's currently doing right this this title that she says mompreneur so um that's pretty cool but yeah so um next week i don't know who i'm gonna have on um we're back to that again um i might do a solo episode though um i have an idea of what i want to do a solo episode on but that is tbd but if you like what you hear please leave a review on a podcast follow me on spotify and any of your other favorite streaming platforms. And of course, follow my Instagram page at Abroad. See you next week. This is Color Abroad. Peace.